This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today for episode 41. Welcome back. Now, again, if uh, if you haven't been here in a while because you're like, hey, you're not posting every week, there is an episode called It's Been a Wow. And in that episode, I introduced the uh, new format for the podcast, okay? So uh, about every two weeks, there will be a new episode, so about twice a month, give or take, okay? So uh, there will be two uh, episodes, uh, give or take, per month. And this month, we are uh, finishing up a series that we started at the beginning of the month, a two-part series called Perspectives, where we are going to talk about refocusing Christians around a Christ-centered perspective. So in the previous episode, episode number 40, we talked about the cone of certainty and this idea that the further you go down the cone from beliefs to opinion, the more open-handed you should be, right? So from beliefs, you're a little bit more closed and tight-handed to opinions you're more open-handed with. So if you missed that, don't worry, okay? You can go back and you can listen to that. And I would highly, highly, highly encourage and recommend it because I think it helps shape our perspective of how we should be uh, viewing uh, the time and age that we live in, okay? And I'm sure there have been many times that uh, we can both, you and I can both remember getting caught up in the headlines of the world over the last uh, 18 months or so, right? Uh, you talk about a global pandemic. You talk about liberties versus responsibilities. I mean, you talk about the presidential election with uh, President Biden versus President Trump. You talk about a lot of the racial injustices that uh, people uh, experience uh, over the last two months, also over the last many, 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 many years. You talk about, you know, people who wear masks versus people who don't wear masks and why one should do the other. You talk about people who are pro-vaccination versus those who are anti-vaccinations. I mean, you can name it. All the different headlines uh, that have happened over the last uh, two years or so. And And the honest truth is what has resulted from all of this, all of these headlines, us getting caught up in it, is a lost perspective. Many Christians, including myself from time to time, have shifted their viewpoints away from Christ to the headlines, okay? We've shifted our viewpoints away from viewing it through the lens of Jesus to the lens of headlines. Now, many would say, many would say, and including myself, I've said this too, that, well, it's only through Christ that I have those viewpoints, that it's only through the Bible that I view it in the way that I do, right? And while some of that can be true, I would argue that some of it is not. And honestly, it's if you are saying it is of Christ, then I would argue that it's not the Christ we read in the New Testament. And so what we've ended up doing is we've allowed the headlines to start informing our faith instead of allowing faith to inform how we view the headlines. So in this month's episode, as I said, we are I want to help us, me included, re focus our perspective, okay? And so in episode 40, we talked about the cone of certainty. Today, what I want to talk about is the difference between ideology and theology. 
and why it's important that we know and live out the difference. Okay, so we're going to talk about the difference between ideology and theology and why it's important that we know and live out the difference. So let's start with ideology. And what I want to do is define what it is and give you some examples of it. Okay, so ideology is basically a system of ideas or ideals, especially one which formed the basis of economic or political theory and policy. So to just kind of bring that to the foundational level, to the very basic level, a foundational level of theology, you could basically sum it up uh, as a system of ideas that aspire to both explain the world and to change it. So ideology at the very basis of it is a system of ideas that aspires to both explain the world and to change it. Ideology is created to basically explain how this world has worked in the past how it is currently working, and how people can go about changing the world for the future, okay? Now, within this, there are basically two major types of ideology. There is political ideologies and uh, epistemological ideologies, okay? That took me a while to learn how to say that, epistemological ideologies, okay? Now, epistemological ideologies are ideas about like philosophy, the universe, and uh, how people should make decisions. This is where we like find discussions around like what is true and what is truth and how should we believe it and and what should we believe and and the justifications for what we believe to be found is true, right? So how do we believe, what should we believe, and how do we justify what we believe, okay? Now, political ideologies are basically ethical ideas about how the country should be governed or ran. So basically the thought behind how should we govern our country? How should it be ran, right? And and these ideologies basically give way to fo- what we what people would consider the four major political sectors. Uh, liberalism, conservatism, libertarianism, and populism, okay? I might add a fifth, which is, um, you know, people who would call themselves moderate, okay? So in political ideologies, this is where we find ourselves with questions surrounding things like big government versus small government. Should a government really be overreaching or, or, or be all involved or should it be small and underreaching, right? Or uh, another question we probably find our discussions around this would be public welfare versus personal opportunity. Should, the, um, should those who are less than be brought and made equal as far as socioeconomic status to those who are more well-off, and that should be helped by the government, or should everybody be left to whatever personal gain opportunities that they afford themselves, right? Another question that would we'd find in uh, political ideology is strong military versus diplomatic relations. Should a government, a country, uh, exert its strong military uh, ability to keep the peace, or should we uh, go about uh, peacemaking through dif- diplomatic efforts, right? Uh, another uh, question around that would be open access for immigrants versus limited access for immigrants. Should a country allow uh, immigrants who want to immigrate to the country uh, to make it easy 
and affordable for them? Or should a country uh, limit the access for immigrants to immigrate to their country and we make it more strict and hard for them to do that? And these are honestly, they're good and honest questions and thoughts we should and can have in terms of how our country is governed. Now, I, I want everyone listening to understand, okay, that I believe there's nothing wrong with having political ideologies. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. In fact, in fact, I would encourage every listener to work towards a better understanding of how our country is governed and be informed so that you can vote the way you think is best for our country. Absolutely. You should do those. Okay. You should have those. But going back to the epistemological ideologies, instead of allowing what we believe about truth and the justification of that truth to inform our political ideologies, here's what we've done. We've allowed our political ideology to now inform our beliefs about truth and justification, which in turn is now informing our theology about God's creation. And namely, in that is how we treat people. Okay. Now, I'm sure you know this, and, and, and please don't presume to think that I think you're ignorant of, to what theology is. I don't think that. But for those of you who, who like the official definitions, theology at its most simple form is a system, or maybe you would probably call it a school of opinions, concerning God and religious belief. Now, the word theology can be broken up into two, two parts, really. So, theo which is the uh, word for relating to God, right? And ology, which is the study of a subject. So what you and I understand are taught and believe about God and his will for our lives is the basis of theology, okay? Now, as with any study of a subject, there are layers and divisions and subdivisions to theology. And on top of that, there are many other religions that also have their own version of theology or what they believe about the character and nature of God or their gods, okay? But I don't want to get down a rabbit hole here because it, that's very easy for us to do. So theology is the study and understanding of the nature and character of God and his will for us. You can't leave out one without the other. So theology is both the understanding of the nature and character of God and his will for us. And what we are seeing over the last two years is that many of us, including myself from time to time, have allowed what we believe politically to influence and inform what we believe about God and his will for us, namely how we treat people. Okay, I'll say it again. A lot of us over the last two years have allowed our political ideology to influence our theology and our theology all the way down to how we treat people. Here's what I mean, okay? We have people who are followers of Jesus, who have honestly cut off relationships or alienated people who don't wear masks or do wear a mask. We have people who are followers of Jesus who have cut off relationships with people who have gotten the vaccine or who refuse to get the vaccine who have cut off relationships with people who voted for President Trump or voted for President Biden. They've cut off relationships with people who showed up at protest to protest, you know, police brutality or racial injustices. People who have followed Jesus have ridiculed people who have spoken out or publicly disagreed with the violent and destructive riots. 
they've gotten on social media to bully, intimidate, harass anyone who disagrees with their political beliefs. I mean, there are Christians who are showing up at parades uh, for the LGBTQ community or showing up at abortion clinics to spew a message of hate and condemnation. All the while claiming the justification for their actions is their faith. This is what they believe God would want them to do. This is their theology. But let me just say this, and I want to say this with as much grace as I can muster in love. It is not your theology that's informing this. It is your ideology that's informing your theology. It is your ideology that is informing your theology. We all have, to a certain degree, allowed our ideology to influence what we believe to be true about God's people. Therefore, it's influence how we should treat them. Instead of getting around a table with people who may think differently than us, believe differently than us, We've gone much deeper into our echo chambers. And if you don't know what an echo chamber is, it's, it's basically uh, we, we have gotten around people and or thought processes that we tend to agree with so that they can echo what we agree with even more. And what we've done is we've gone deeper into those echo chambers and we've shut out anyone of difference which in turn has allowed us to see others not in the perspective of people who are like us, but in the perspective of people who are in opposition of us. And we all know that opposition creates a desire to put down, destroy, or maybe even better yet, to use a phrase that is common now, to cancel. Right? Everyone wants to cancel someone. Make one mistake say one inappropriate word, have one uh, uh, uncommon thought, uh, post something uh, years ago, and it be found out, and you will be canceled. Say the wrong thing, back the wrong candidate, protest the wrong cause, wear or don't wear the one cloth over your face, and you'll be canceled. But here's the thing. The longer we allow ourselves to be swayed and moved by our ideologies, the further we'll get from the true and proper theological convictions of who God is and what he desires for you and me. I love the picture that Aaron Brockett, who is the lead pastor at Traders Point Christian Church in Indiana and who's been a guest on this podcast, he described this, uh, this image, this analogy in a recent sermon of his. He takes out this compass and he shows it uh, to the audience in the room. And he talks about how if you point a compass towards north, you line it up towards north, and you follow that, you don't veer, and you follow that all the way to where the compass is pointing north, you will not end up at what is called true north. Now, the reason for this is that compasses have uh, magnets in them. So they end up following the magnetic flow that's in the earth towards a north, which would put you at what is called magnetic north, which is somewhere in Canada, okay? So it's not the true north, which is in the North Pole. It's actually the magnetic north, which is in Canada. So over time, if you follow the compass, hoping to get to the North Pole, true north, you would end up way off course. 
And I love that picture and analogy because it's the best representation of what I believe has happened to many Christians, including myself, over the last two years. We've all assumed that we were pointing our compasses to the true north, right, of our faith. But because we've allowed our ideologies to inform our north, we've all end up at some point veered off course, some more dramatically than others. And unless we course correct, our theology will remain off base. So how do we re-engage our journey towards true north? How do we align our theology to what the Bible says about God, about who God is and what he desires for us, which in turn will inform our ideologies about the world and our country? So the community for which I'm a part of, Real Life Church in Southern California, uh, we're currently going through a series of messages called What If Jesus Was Serious? And what we're doing is we're taking a deep dive into what's, what we're calling the core values of God's kingdom. Now, they're based off the words we find in one of Jesus' most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in uh, the book of Matthew. And at the beginning of that sermon, Jesus' Jesus opens up with nine statements about God's kingdom. Jesus walks his disciples and all who showed up on the mountainside uh, through the reality of how we should be following God. Now, as many of you may know, there were religious leaders in that day, and those religious leaders had basically hijacked what it meant to follow God and turned this faith into a very rules-based faith. And in rules-based faith, there is no room for mercy or meekness or kindness or grace and love. Basically, if you fail to live up to the rules, you were deemed unworthy of God's favor and affection. So God sends you know, his son Jesus to come and basically set the record straight, not just in terms of, of what should be taught, but how those teachings should be lived out. Now, they are commonly referred to as the, the Beatitudes. And I love how our lead pastor, Rusty George, who's also been a guest on this podcast, this is how he put it. He said, Jesus comes along with the Beatitudes that confronts every ideology that exists in our world today. And he says, my administration, or this kingdom, basically, is nothing like the vision of the world. And when it gets in you, when these truths, when these statements really get a hold of you, it's going to fundamentally transform you. You see, this is where I would start to re-engage my journey towards true north. This is where I would encourage you to dive into and allow these nine statements to inform your thoughts around who God is and what he desires for you. And Jesus says that if you truly desire to live your life for God and you desire to live a life that is filled with meaning and joy, then live out these nine statements. Live out these nine core values of God's kingdom in every way, in every day. And I promise you that if you do this, if you live out these nine statements, it won't be easy. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. But if you if you do these, you will then inform your theology. It'll begin to inform your theology, which will in turn inform your ideology and what you believe about the world and how our country should work and go, okay? So here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger, 
who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven's heaven is theirs. So as we come to the end of this episode, let me put these in the simplest forms in terms of how our theology should inform our ideology. And this is just 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 in my mind how they work for me, okay? So when God so when Jesus says God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs, he's basically saying come to God completely desperate, completely desperate because you have nothing to offer God. No knowledge, no money, no career, nothing. Any of the successes you've had on earth, they're worthless to God. So come to God completely desperate, but willing. Come desperate, but willing. Allowing God to define himself to you. Not you defining God, but he defining himself to you and his will for your life. So when God says, or when Jesus says, they're both the same. So when Jesus says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted, he's saying, mourn not only with those you love, but with those whom are hard to love, for God will comfort you through it and them as well. When he says that God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth, he is saying, desire to live a life in which you are not the main event. A life in which you admit you don't know it all, don't have it all figured out, and that it's not about you because God wants to honor you in that. When Jesus says God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied, he's basically saying taste and see how good God is and live in such a way that shows that truth to your world, your sphere of influence right? When Jesus says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy, he's saying, offer grace upon grace to each other, regardless of the offense. There shouldn't be a limit to how much mercy you offer, because the more mercy you show, the more mercy will, that will be shown to you. When Jesus says God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God, he's basically saying fill yourself with all that is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And if you find yourself at something that isn't one of those, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. When Jesus says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God, he is basically saying, seek to be peacemakers, okay? These are people who work towards peace even when peace seems impossible. You're not a peacekeeper. You're not just trying to make sure everybody's happy. No, you're working towards peace even when it doesn't seem possible because those who work towards peace are really the family of God, right? And then when he says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heavens, heaven is theirs. 
Here's what he's saying. Even when everyone else is against you for loving people who are different, for putting up with people who are different, for sitting down across the table for people who think differently, who voted differently, who have different ideologies, even when everyone else is against you for doing that very thing, you continue to live out these nine core values, these nine statements and realities of God's kingdom because you then will truly have the life God desires you to live, which would be blessed, right? Well, I want to thank you for to listening today. And if this was helpful for you, if you would do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others. Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because it'll help this show reach more people. And that's what it's all about. You guys know what I say. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus, and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.